Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. I was going to take my next message on the Beatitude, the next one. How many know what that one is? Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do you know what last Sunday's Sunday school lesson was about and what the message was about? We were dancing all over it. And uh, I don't know, I, it wasn't coming together very good for me, so... I put that one on the back burner. And I have a thing on my phone where I put my suggestions. And so I fell on that. And I suppose curiosity is probably getting the best of you. I saw this picture. And I chalked it down for a sermon suggestion. So that's our message this morning. Prayer. Hope you can see it back there. I went back there and it was actually kind of hard, so I enlarged it a little bit. But I didn't have very much time before you guys came. And I didn't want you to see it. Why do we need each other to pray for one another? And if you notice, there's a bar, there's a base, and there's a gap. These guys are carrying a log and... They're helping each other get across. Prayer. What comes to your mind when you think of prayer? Any pictures? Any Bible characters that come to your mind right away? As I reflected on that, I remember as a little boy going to our neighbor's place, Lloyd Gibbs, and another place, Eugene Heller, and they had this picture of a man holding his hand over his Bible and he was praying. And I remember that as a boy. Uh, as far as a Bible character that comes to my mind, Daniel would probably be the first one that comes to my mind. And I don't know if that's because of the Bible stories, lines in, but that would be the first one that would come to my mind. Anybody catch in the third song this morning one of the verses that we sang? 201. said, give us patience for unanswered prayer. So this picture here is just kind of a springboard to get us into the message. And I, as I was thinking of this, my mind went to Jesus. And we can turn to Matthew chapter 26. Verses 36. And I'm going to read to verse 46. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray, yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here, and watch with me. And he went a little farther, and fell on his face, and prayed, saying, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. 
And he cometh unto the disciples, and finding them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter in not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on now and take ye rest. Take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, it is at, it, behold he is at hand that doth betray me. Here's an example of Jesus praying and uh, fervently praying. Probably this would have been one of the greatest trials of his life. If he's praying for the Father, if it, not, if it be not against your will to let this cup pass from me, probably meaning that this is all I can handle. So what was on Jesus' mind? Was he praying for himself? Turn to John 17. Now I'm going to take the time to read the entire chapter because it all flows together very well. John 17. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify the Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should get, give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is a life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, the Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I have with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto them, unto the men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them that thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I, glorif and I, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and come I to thee, and come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, and they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them are lost but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and thy word, and the word hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, and the wor thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also send them into the world. And for, this, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. 
that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, and that they also may be one in us, and the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, and that they may be one, even as I am one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known thee, that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Clearly, this is Jesus' prayer. Is he praying for himself? Yes, he was praying for himself, but he was also praying for his disciples. He was also praying for you and me today. Let's just look at this a little bit. Verse 9 mentions, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them that, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Verse 11 and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I have come to thee, Holy Father. Keep thou thine own names, that whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Then verse 12 even talks about keeping them, but the son of perdition. So Jesus was praying for his disciples. Verse 15, praying for protection from the world from the evil verse 20 I think could be our, our verse neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word those that believe the message that the disciples would carry forth and the gospel would spread those that would believe he's praying for them Jesus did not just focus on himself, but his words and his prayers showed that he wanted love, that he wanted love and joy and peace and patience and all the fruit of God's spirit for his followers. Jesus was not selfish in his prayer. He was praying for you and me, disciples. He knew that his trial would be their trial. He knew that when him, Jesus, the Good Shepherd, would be struck that the sheep would scatter. Mark 14:27. And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. So, I think Jesus sets a good example for prayer. Let's look at some. Let's look at some commands in the Bible. Uh, that we have to pray for one another. James 5.16 very familiar one. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. That is telling us confess our faults. We're not perfect. But we need to realize that that we will not be perfect, but we, that 
but that we need each other. And we need the prayers of each other. What does the last part of that verse say? Are you righteous? The righteous, effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. God is going to hear your prayer. First Timothy 2, verse 1 and 2. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayer, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. Are we remembering those that are over us, that have authority over us, so that we can have peace? I think it's good to pray for our government. Sometimes it doesn't seem like our prayer means too much, but it's it's a command. We need to pray. We need to lift them up. They're in authority over us. It may not mean that God's going to give us the physical peace that we sometimes think that we need, but it can at least give us peace in our heart. I also like that verse. It says, Giving of thanks be made for all men. Does that mean the ones I don't get along with? Have you ever had the opportunity that somebody had a hard time getting along with? Did you ever try praying for them? I have. And let me tell you, it works. It... uh, it doesn't change the other person maybe as much as you'd like to think it does, but it, it will change your attitude, your heart, in the way that you view that other person. Why does God want us to pray for others? We're all in this together. We're all in the battle of life. We all want to win, right? We need to pray for each other. So as we think of uh, intercessory prayer, intercessory prayer reflects God's own character of an outgoing love and mercy. God wants and desires us to think like He does. And praying for others helps us to think beyond ourselves and to grow in compassion for others. It's also mentioned that our prayers are as a sweet-smelling incense that pleases God. Revelation 5.8 And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, and having every one of them harps, golden vows, full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Our prayers are full of odors. Are they a sweet odor? There also may be some misconceptions about intercessory prayer. One of them being intercessory prayer is not a number game. It doesn't matter if one person or one million people are praying for the same thing. It's not a number. God will answer that prayer when His time is best. 
Also, another misconception is prayer is not brownie points. It doesn't give me any ranking, any status in the ladder up for any future benefit. Also, what about boasting? To God, how good you are. Is that a sweet-smelling odor? So as we move on in the next section here, how we need to intercede in prayer. And I have numerous points here. but um, So the first one I have is our prayer needs to be from the heart. And our Sunday school lesson's tying in here with this pretty good, but if it's not from our heart, then how genuine is it? Um... Looking at Psalms and seeing David's cry to God, Psalms 3, 4, 5, and 6 are just a few to mention of David's prayers that uh, he shared. Hezekiah, he had a heartfelt prayer. 2 Kings 20, verses 1. Through three, in those days was Hezekiah in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah the son of Amoz came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die, and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Very clear that Hezekiah had a heart toward God. Because what did what did he do when the prophet Isaiah came there? He immediately prayed and was moved to tears. Keep reading there, verse four and five. And it came to pass before Isaiah was gone and out out into the mid, middle of the court that the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah. The captain of my people, thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up to the house of the Lord. Verse 6, And I will add unto unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. God heard his prayer. That was... Fast response. Isaiah the prophet wasn't even out of the court yet. And he said, go back and tell Hezekiah that I've heard him. And not only that, but I'm going to give him, I'm going to restore his health. He's going to get 15 more years to live. As we think of our prayer from the heart, God is not looking for lip service. He wants you and your whole heart. Matthew 7, 21 and 23 in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 
Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy names, and in thy names have cast out devils, and in thy name doth many wonders work? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. A clear warning there that lip service is not going to do it. We can sound good, we can talk good, but if we're not in it with our heart, we will we will miss the mark. The next point I have is our prayer needs to be regular. Matthew six eleven, again in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was teaching how to pray. There in verse eleven it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Doesn't say weekly bread, doesn't say yearly bread, daily bread. So I think we can conclude that our prayers need to be regular. Also, thinking of Daniel, how often did he pray? It's three times a day, right? He would set his face toward Jerusalem and kneel before the Lord, and obviously it was a custom because. The men that wanted to get rid of him saw this as an opportunity and knew when to watch. And they set a trap. Am I ever ashamed of my prayer before the Lord? There's a balance. Praying in public versus praying privately. I mean, the Bible does talk about going into our closets and praying. I also think there is time to pray in public as well. Um... It's a custom to pray before meals. And I remember as a child always being kind of awkward at this moment because you're always afraid that everybody around you is watching. And you can relate to that, can't you? I remember one time an older man coming up to Dad and come commending him on praying before we ate. And uh, nothing else that probably encouraged me more to know that, you know, doesn't matter what people think around you, but it's that little nugget of encouragement that, yeah. So when you see somebody praying for their food, encourage them. Third one I have is pray in detail. God knows everything about us, even before we ask, but I think it's a delight to God to know our specific request. I remember as a student at Bible school, a fellow student giving a request of a silent request. And that was the first time I had ever heard of that. And I was somewhat taken back because I didn't know that. And uh, I don't know, I guess there may be a place for that. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, the distraction that caused me in thinking about that silent, silent request, not knowing what that request was, was more distractive to me than what if he hadn't said anything. And that's the caution that I have for that. Is It may have been better for him to maybe take aside a friend or two and, and share that request and take it that way. That's just my thought on it. 
Next point I have, prayer should be with faith. Matthew 17.20 And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto these mountains, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Does that mean we can go out to the Rockies and move mountains? Probably be for a selfish reason if that was the case. But we can have it. We can have faith like that. Sometimes there can be obstacles that we may think are Rocky Mountains in our lives. If we have that little bit of faith as a mustard seed, God God can answer Ultimately, it needs to bring glory to God. If it's bringing glory to us, then it's probably wrong. Next point I have is prayer should be with love. As you pray, are your prayers self-centered? Focusing on your wants and your desires... What about my brother's needs? What about my needs? We can pray about our needs. I think we can. But there's a big difference between needs and wants. Do I have a burden for the lost souls around me? Do my prayer of love, does that bring them in? Do I encourage my brothers and sisters in the Lord by asking God to keep them in by keeping them? Another uh, point to this is our prayers should be fervently. Uh, James five sixteen. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I had to look up the word fervent. I thought I knew what it meant. But it's having or showing a great warmth or intensity of spirit, feeling, and enthusiasm. You like to be around people like that, right? Somebody that can connect and... prayers fervent? Are we in connection with God that we're, we have a warmth and intensity of spirit, enthusiasm? Next point I have is prayer should always be a desire to help where we can. And what I mean by this is by giving physical help or encouragement. Cards, calls, and visits can be very helpful to someone in a deep trial or need. It is not wrong to tell a person that you're praying for them. 
it will encourage them. I've had the experience where brothers have told me, I'm praying for you. And sometimes it's just right at the right time, right when you needed it. And it's a little bit of, it's a little bit of stigma or whatever that just keeps you going, drives you on. Next point I have is prayer can be done with fasting. Um, seems to me that fasting usually comes when there's a really pertinent or deep need, a time of great uncertainty. But most times in the Bible when it talks about fasting, prayer is usually mentioned. So I think these two can go hand in hand, fasting and praying. So why fasting? It's giving up my desire, your desire to be filled, your belly to be filled, and gives time to reflect and pray for the need. I find that if I eat, I get a cozy, warm feeling. They have a scientific name for that. I'm not sure what it is. But it's normal. It's natural. And if you don't have it, there's a problem with you. But it's hard to, you know, probably keep our minds on, on that. We just want to take a nap. So by fasting, it helps us to maybe stay more focused and to concentrate on our prayer as the need is there. Turn for just a couple examples. Turn to Luke 2:37. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayers night and day. So this is Anna, and she served God with fasting and prayers night and day. So fasting and prayer are important. Another one example, uh, Acts 14. And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Again, fasting was taking place. Obviously, this was at an ordination in a time of picking out leaders and seriousness. Then fasting was part of it. It was important to keep their focus, to stay in tune with God. There has been times that I can remember that fasting was encouraged and uh, we were suggested to fast and pray. I remember one being uh, for the Canadians coming across the border. If you go to Bible school at all, you will find out that that happens every Wednesday. Um, and there's been other times that I thought of that fasting was encouraged and I think it can be done Uh, it doesn't need to be done in a very publicly way but it can be done Um, 
I remember also a time of fasting and praying the day before we went to Chicago. Um, I think it's good. So in conclusion, turn with me to Romans 1, verses 9 and 10. For God in my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son and without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers making requests if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come to you. Paul here saying that I make mention of you in my prayers. I pray for you. Can I say that about you this morning? That I pray for you? Obviously, studying this was good for me. And I want to do my part in praying for each of you and lifting you to the throne of God as I think of you. And just for the ease of remembering, I took a little card and I got all your names on it. And I have it in my Bible. And I want to pray personally for you. And uh, that's my challenge. And I know some of you have shared the way that you pray um, for each other. You can do it by taking a walk. You can do it when you drive. Maybe do it while you're milking your cows. However you do it, do it. So easy to get caught up in speaking to myself so easy to get caught up in the ordinary task of life and you know before you know it the day comes and goes and you didn't do it there's a little saying that we sometimes say in Chicago those of you that have been there probably will remember this and I might have to have, have to ask Alice who said this but the saying goes much prayer much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. You know who said that, Alice? Larry Salonier. Larry Salonier. I went trying to find it and I couldn't find it. The the closest one I could find was by Alexander Witt. He had something very similar, but it had a lot more lingo in it. Billy Sunday also said, if you're a stranger to prayer, you are a stranger to power. Prayer and power go together, hand in hand. Prayer is the way you defeat the devil, reach the lost, restore a backslider, strengthen the saints, send missionaries out, cure the sick, accomplish the impossible, and know the will of God. And that was by David Jeremiah.